This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. God is using Heart for Lebanon to bring practical assistance and the gospel to the stricken refugee families in Lebanon. For a gift of $116, you can give a child and his family survival essentials for four months and the hope of Jesus Christ, which lasts forever. Call now, 888-247-5499, 888-247-5499, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. More than 18 months after the pandemic was declared, a new Pew Research Center study has found that 49% of church-going evangelicals are back in person at churches that are COVID-19 restriction-free. Now, this is a good trend, especially when we consider how hard churches have had to fight in court going back to last year just to stay open to the same degree as abortion clinics or liquor stores. And while we are thankful for those churches, how many will be ready for the next totalitarian challenge that that this pandemic may present. What will we do about cancel culture or vaccine mandates if they cause us to lose our jobs? What if big tech or academia or the government crack down even harder on Christians? We don't know what the future will hold, but these days the ground is shifting fast and it is hard to know what may be in our future. One thing is for sure, though, we are to be people of courage. First Corinthians says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Are we being courageous? as the Church of Jesus Christ today. We're going to talk about it with Shane Eidelman, who is the founder and lead pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in California. And he is out with a new article based on one of his recent sermons, The Battle for Courage, A Hill to Die On. And it's great to welcome you back. Shane, how have you been? Janet, it's great to be on. I've been doing good out here in California, just uh, like you mentioned, fighting the, the good fight of faith and uh, trying to make a difference. Good for you. Well, we're, we're proud to have you here. And I know you and I talked quite a bit during the pandemic about courage and you took a stand very early on. So you're one of those courageous Christians. Why do you think that this subject of courage is so important for the church to address right now? I think because it's easy to talk about, but hard to do. <laughs> Yes, You know, courage, and that's what the article really focuses on. Courage comes from a prepared heart. You know, the old saying, we pray like, or we play like we practice, or we fight like we prepare. So it's really, it's hard to muster it up if it's not going on internally, preparing the heart, setting our, our hearts on Christ, and reading God's Word, and being prayed up. And, and really, courage is an outflow of what, what we're putting on inside. So when we see a lot of these churches not being courageous, it's because they're not being filled with God's spirit. It's a spirit of boldness and and courage. Yeah. What would you say the battles are right now that require courage from the church? I mentioned things like cancel culture and things like the vaccine mandates, which are cropping up and people are scared of losing their jobs. Are there other issues that you are seeing on the horizon or right now happening that require courage from Christians? And how are we doing on those fronts? Well, you hit on two hot buttons right there because I'm in Southern California and in Los Angeles County. So we have uh, a lot of the mandates are being pushed. Uh, You know, members of our church from Northrop Grumman to working with the federal government to NASA uh, to the school districts, everyone is being pushed. And so a lot of my time is being spent on helping them with the religious exemption letters or talking to their employers. And it's taking a tremendous amount of courage because when your job's on the line, not too many people can go from 
you know, making a living to nothing within a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, the notices they're giving them that without pay, they'll put them on leave. And so just that's why I gave that sermon on Wednesday night. And so many people were encouraged. Uh, so we're seeing it there. We're seeing it on, you know, depending on the view on the vaccines, of course, there's differing views, but the pushing and the mandating is absolutely not biblical. Yeah. And so standing up for that, and really what's big in my area is the CRT, critical race theory. Right. And the governor is wanting that to be taught in the public schools and the big push for the LGBTQ agenda. It's just, it's just an onslaught. It can really actually be overwhelming yep. if, you're, if you're not staying you know, buried in God's word and broken and humble and filled with the spirit. So I would say on all fronts, from theology and a strong theological view, because a lot of churches are continuing to drift. And, and you will see if they get caught up in, in the CRT and these different things that are really anti-biblical, they will start to drift in other areas as well. So uh, Christians and pastors being courageous in all of these areas. Well, you mentioned a number of very important areas, and you're right about all of them. And I don't think anybody is feeling the pressure as much as the people on the coasts, particularly California. You know, here I am in Texas, and it's not nearly as draconian as it is in California. So God bless you. What would you say is the Christian's response, specifically in California, to the issue of the vaccine mandates? You have people, obviously, as you mentioned, getting religious exemption letters together, submitting those to their employers. Hopefully, they'll be able to have those granted so they can keep their jobs. Is there any organized pushback by Christians in particular against the vaccine mandates or what is the status there? Yeah, I was just out with a, a large group with Norman Grumman. We met at 4.30 in the morning till 7.30 in the morning. I mean, uh, cars parked about a mile long. Wow. Uh, and just people outside and, and protesting and moms for, for, for California uh, going to the school districts and standing up and making a difference. And there is a lot of pushback and courage is contagious. It, uh, it really is when you see a man or woman standing up for what is right. Uh, you, I believe the, the recent, recently the airline just um, capitulated or caved in, I should say, and are not requiring the vaccinations for their pilots. Yep. Um, and so we do see that tipping Amtrak could be next. And, and so it's, it's just that, that I, I think, but the key to what you asked is the truth is going to offend, but our attitude shouldn't. Hmm. In other words, I think we can be very bold, but very loving and it's the, the bombastic, prideful in your face that can really do damage. Um, so you have to just, just stand courageous and say, not on my watch, especially what they're doing to the children, mandating it here in California. I don't know mm. about where you're at with uh, all kids in the school districts. Nope, uh, not here. California. Yeah. And so, you know, this is a big deal. We don't know the ramifications long term of this type of uh, messenger RNA. Uh, and so it's, it's, on, it's on all fronts and it can get exhausting. And that's why... <laughs> Uh, believe it or not, we're actually meeting at our church every night next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even on Halloween night. We're just having worship services Great. the entire week uh, wow. in the evening. So um, people are coming from all over uh, to be part of that. And so it's just it, courage is contagious. And our kids are watching us. And if you read the article, I talked about courage is caught yep. more than it's taught. You really can't teach it unless you're going to live mm -hmm. it. And kids are watching how parents are responding to all that's going on.
That's right. I, I think there's so much wisdom in what you said about courage being caught, because even there in California, you watched how the churches that stepped out to say we need to be open. We can't have the government shutting down the church for an extended period of time when it's allowing abortion clinics and liquor stores to be open. And that seemed to be a courage that was caught by other churches. They were emboldened. They were made more brave because those first Christians were stepping out and, and we won a lot of uh, court cases over time. So that's, that's encouraging. When we go to God's word, Shane, you, you mentioned that there are some examples of a battle plan for being courageous from the book of second Chronicles. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I want and I want to even address what you just mentioned with the courage, because all of us were feeling it, but it wasn't until like Jack Hibbs reached out to me, and then we got you know Rob McCoy was already involved, and yep. then John MacArthur were all within an hour, hour and a half, and so that was contagious because yeah. you realize you're not just here, you know, by yourself on this <laughs> island, and that was very motivating. Knowing uh, what was sad though is we had one conference call. I don't know, 180 church pastors here in California, and not very many actually opened. Hmm. Uh, so we kind of felt like, uh-oh, you know, we got to get some momentum going here. Yeah. But yeah, the battle plan from the, thank God, God doesn't leave us without knowledge of how to handle these things. It's, it's very important. And I was just looking at Second Chronicles, and I gleaned from that that you, you prepare your heart. You know, one of the key principles in spiritual battle is preparing your heart, knowing there's going to be ups and downs, knowing the fight is going to be difficult. And uh, you build courage by strengthening yourself in the Lord, by spending time as his word, obeying his word, praying and fasting and worshiping. And then you stay focused on that goal, stay focused on Christ and, and allow the Holy Spirit to, to fill you. And I think that's the key ingredient. Uh, and also we know that um, one of the kings there in Second Chronicles, I've got so many on my mind here, actually won the battle through, through worship. Mm. I think it was Hezekiah went in just worshiping and um, and just God defeated his armies. And so that that position of the heart, which is really the missing ingredient, I'm sure you love in the Bible like I do, the courage of the Old Testament prophets is uh, amazing. Yes. It, it, <laughs> yes. I mean, they, they it, what, no matter what they said, they're going to jail or they're going to be killed or something. So. Yeah. Um, anyway, it sounds like we have to take a break. And yep, we do. Hang on, Shane. We'll come back to you. Shane Eidelman with us on Janet Mefford today. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He severely beat young Aria and called the authorities to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend before letting them go. These two women didn't grow bitter. They grew bold and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where Christians are urged to support new believers. You suddenly realize how critical it is for Christians not just to assume God will look after their brothers and sisters who've converted from Islam, but that they will be prepared to walk with them. Help send God's word to believers like Aria. One Bible is only $5. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YESWORD, or there's a Bible League banner at JanetMefford.com. 
When this young mom came into a preborn center, she had decided that abortion was the best choice as she was coming out of an abusive relationship. But after meeting her baby on ultrasound and feeling the love and support she needed from the preborn staff, she knew life was the best choice. The ultrasound, I was in shock. I knew I was pregnant, but seeing it on the screen was a completely different ball game. Honestly, without you, I don't think I would have my little boy. He's so healthy and he's so sweet and I am so grateful every day. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. Will you join Preborn in helping love and support young moms in crisis? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a Preborn banner to click at JanetMefford.com. 855-402-BABY. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Be strong and courageous. We often will turn to various verses about courage when we're feeling a little bit low. And those make us feel better because we understand that God is sovereign and he is in control and we belong to him. And no matter what happens on this earth, we will look forward to being with him. And that's a sure thing. Christ is ruling and reigning and he shall reign forever and ever. And that's a wonderful thing to keep in mind. Shane Eidelman is with us, pastor at Westside Christian Fellowship in California. He's out with a new article based on a sermon that he recently gave called The Battle for Courage, A Hill to Die On. We were talking about this issue of courage. You mentioned the Old Testament prophets, which makes me really want to go off on a tangent, but I, I, I want to try to keep on this subject. But I just love the Old Testament prophets, so, so that was good. You hit a good nerve in that way with me. Talk about that, because, boy, they had courage. Jeremiah had courage. Isaiah had courage. On and on and on. The minor prophets had courage. What can we learn from those Old Testament prophets in our own day? Well, we probably share the same desire is that's exactly what America needs, is those prophetic voices. Yep that voice crying in the wilderness, that voice that God's word is burning in my heart like a, like a fire. I can't hold it back. And so the bottom line, what made them so bold without a shadow of a doubt, God's word burning in their heart was because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The, the boldness comes from that surrendered life. They surrendered their entire life to God. God's spirit came upon them and they were able to speak boldly. So that's a missing ingredient. If we think we're going to spend three hours on on Netflix and watch ungodly media and be influenced by CNN and then speak boldly uh, to our culture about God's Word, we are gravely mistaken, especially pastors. Who they are all week is who they're going to be when they step to the pulpit, quoting Tozer. It's what we fill our mind with and our heart with throughout the week. So I think that's a missing ingredient. Uh, So many, and I love pastors. I have a heart for pastors. I'm not trying to, but so many are just fearful. They're capitulating. They think Romans 13 means do whatever the government says. And, you know, the the, the recent surveys are showing that a lot of them are not spending much time in prayer. They're Mm -hmm. just too busy. And so if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. And boldness comes from that relationship. The more filled you are with God's spirit, the more time in his word, the more time with him, intimacy, time alone, the more the more bold you will be. It's just it's just a byproduct of that time with God. It is. Shane, it seems very counterintuitive that you would have to advise Christians to do basic things like reading and studying the <laughs> word of God or praying or fasting or worshiping God or having fellowship with the Lord. Where have we gone off the rails that I I know this has been true from the beginning of time that God's people will drift and back 
backslide, and this is not anything new. But what does that say about the health of the American evangelical scene? That we have to see churches who are too scared to open, or we see Christians who are not spending time in God's Word, but boy, they know everything on Instagram. What What is ailing us? Well, and you actually hit the nail on the head with, um, you know, when Israel was divided in southern northern kingdoms, they experienced, what, 50, 60 years of financial prosperity and ease and comfort. And, you know, our blessing, if we're not careful, will become a curse because God has blessed us to such a degree that um, we've kind of rested in that. And there, it, it, it is challenging to seek God. I mean, it, it, it revival, spiritual awakening has a cost. The cost is dying to self. The cost is seeking God. The cost is pressing in. The cost is holding. Remember, I used to read books from 100 years ago. They would have prayer meetings. They'd say, God finally answered. God finally came. We mm-hmm. pulled down heaven. <laughs> you know, they were, they were willing to do what it took to, to experience that power and presence in their life. But today, it's difficult, so we have to fight against the flesh. It's comfort. It's convenient. Um, we're looking to be pleasing men instead of pleasers of God. And the more we unfortunately drift from him and his word the more um, cowardly we're going to become so i don't know if that quite answered it but i think that's that's what's happening is it's 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 a rare breed of a person who can you know just cry out to god discipline themselves and seek him like never before in this type of environment where we're affluent and it's ease you go to we have uh, contacts which i'm sure you do too in the in the underground church in china Mm. they would just they would they would be embarrassed at our church services. Mm, yes, I mean, yes. Friday at four in the morning, they're meeting for three hours for prayer and, and being arrested. And, and so I think the blessings of America has created a um, kind of an um, incubator for laziness and mm. cowardliness and not wanting to press in. But now that you're seeing now you're seeing the screws being tightened the wheat and the chaff being divided, right. the bull churches from the passive churches, now you're seeing, um, one, and I, I believe personally maybe that's one of the reasons God allowed this current administration versus um, uh, the last one, is just to humble the church even more. Yeah. Uh, because we're not, where are the packed prayer meetings? Where are the packed churches? Where are people crying out for more of God, right? We're not there yet. We're, we're, we're mad, but we're not humble. Mm. We're, ups, we're upset, but we're not broken. Right, right. And, and we're we're very arrogant and proud, but not very humble. And so I think God's in the breaking process personally right now. We are. I, I think that's right. I think you're right about that. It strikes me when I see all these articles every single day. And I know you see these too, Shane, where people are talking about what needs to be done to get out of this terrible situation we're all in as a nation. I almost never hear somebody say what you're saying, which is we need to cry out to the Lord. And, and, you know, obviously lost people aren't necessarily going to suggest that as a solution, but Christians ought to be doing that. I don't even see a whole lot of Christians doing that, which is shocking to me. Well, then that's probably the last year and a half I've been kind of banging that same drum that our only hope right now, our only hope, I have no hope in 2022, 2024, if one election was rigged, they'll rig more. Yep. I mean, it's my only hope is in a, a spiritual awakening when God rends the heavens and he comes down because he hears the cries of his children. Yes. That is, that's yes. the only option on the table. Yes. And uh, I, why more people aren't doing that, um, you know, I don't really know. But I am encouraged every Sunday morning at 6 a.m. we open the doors. There's between 60 to 100 people that come at the 6 a.m., just wor- we're just we just have worship on for an hour and a half, and That's then we amazing. go into our services, and then um, it's just it just it's just instilling that hunger, and it will show you. You mentioned um, I forgot to comment on this, but you can gauge spiritual hunger. 
how hungry are we for the things of God? Mm-hmm. And it appears not very hungry. Yeah. And, and we're yeah. not, that, that appetite hasn't switched yet. But it, it does strike me when you're talking about getting together every day, as you mentioned, next week and opening your doors and you have prayer meetings and people are hungry for the things of the Lord. That's how every great revival began. And sh- you know that. I know you know that because we've yeah. talked before about awakening. But every church ought to be doing this. And I wonder if you see what is happening in your congregation as something that may spread to other congregations as a result. Yeah, I do, and I don't know the church names offhand, but I've got friends in Tennessee and Kansas City, uh, Florida, Texas, there where you're at, and there is a, a remnant that is absolutely being awakened. So I'm very encouraged. And I'm actually, actually, I know I talk kind of, you know, hard sometimes, people, oh, it's such a Debbie Downer, but it's actually encouraging because we need a slap in the face sometimes. We need a wake-up call. We need to sound the alarm. Pastors are watchmen. We're not cheerleaders all the time. We're watchmen. We're coaches. And and God, only, God plus you is the majority. Amen. And so God is looking for those, 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 start a prayer meeting with one, two, three people. God's in that more than he is the mega church down the street yep. that has no fire in their pulpit right. and is living in carnality. So that's why I'm encouraged is God just, and God gave me that heart for revival. We've talked about this before 20 years ago. I've read all the books on revival. I love from Welsh to Scotland to New Hebrides and and just there's a passion for that. And I don't think that's self-created. I think God gave me and many others that desire. So we will begin seeking and, and dare we say fasting. We've got so many people fasting right now at this church. It's amazing. And of course, that's not a, a magic wand or a, a special pill. But fasting is a, 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 is a um, uh, really a starving of one appetite to have a greater appetite. And, yes. and that's, you know, too, that's prayer and fasting has uh, been critical throughout church history. Oh, absolutely. What what are you seeing, Shane? You had identified some of those areas where your church and other churches in California and across the country, to some degree, are all struggling with the vaccine mandate issue and maybe vaccine passports down the road. The Biden administration has talked about the possibility of restricting interstate travel. So who knows if they'll try to come up with mandates for people who get on airplanes? Who knows where this is going to go? CRT, the LGBTQ plus movement, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think that Christians are going to have to have to have the most courage for in the future? What are you seeing coming down the pike that will require more courage from the church and not less? Boy, that's going to have to make me think for a minute. Off the top of my head, uh, I think that we have to kind of hit all these issues head on. I think we have to stand up for those losing their job, but at the same time stand up for the false theology coming to the church, at the same time the critical race theory being pushed down our throats. And it's, it's kind of that that holding the line, you know, God just, it's mm-hmm. interesting. God says, I'll fight the battle. You just hold the line. Amen. And um, there, people are crying out for God. Believe it or not, Wednesday night after the message, just open the altar. People couldn't even get to the altar because it was already full. Wow. And, and so <laughs> that hunger is encouraging because God sees that. Is that the cries of my children? Is that the hearts crying out to me? Seek Because if you seek him, you will find him. I, I hold that promise true. So I think we have to hold the line on all fronts. But obviously, if everything is a priority, nothing is. Mm-hmm. So my thought is the, the abortion and the theology, the er- inerrancy of Scripture and, and twisting God's word and false gospels coming in and CRT. And, you know, I guess that would be the foundational core. Yeah. And then from that, we can also push against the mandates and the different things trying to creep in. Yeah, but the battle is the Lord's. And we got to keep that in mind, as you say. Really briefly, Shane, because I know we're going to run out of time here in a few seconds. But you say full surrender is the key ingredient that most Christians are missing. That goes back to the basics, doesn't it? It does. And 
uh, I want to clarify that doesn't mean perfection. Right. You know, it, it, some people think if I just oh, I have to be perfect. No, I'm talking about, Lord, I, I give you my finances. I give you my time. I give you my children. I give you my fear. I give you my doubts. I, Lord, I just give you everything. I'm emptied completely. And then he, watch out because here comes the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now there's a vessel I can use. Now this person is teachable and moldable. And the humble, I will direct the humble. If my people humble themselves and pray. And so I think it's just a matter of just giving God everything and saying, Lord, how do you want to use me? Then he can use you. But the Holy Spirit never fills you powerfully to do your own agenda That's or right. to do your own will. Very good. Well, ShaneEidelman.com is the website, The Battle for Courage, A Hill to Die On. Always great to visit with you, Shane. God bless you and keep pressing on for the Lord. It was great to talk to you again. And your program is very encouraging for us, so keep it up. All right. You got it. God bless you. Shane Eidelman, you're listening to Janet Meffer today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. You guys, I have to say a huge thank you to all of you who have been helping us to support Heart for Lebanon. This is a wonderful ministry we've been telling you about for quite a few years now, and we are always honored to partner with them because they truly and literally are doing the Lord's work over in Lebanon. As you know, there are many, many refugees, mostly from Syria, Muslim background, who are in these camps in Lebanon, and they're still there after all of these years with the Syrian civil war raging on. And boy, are they receptive to the gospel. And what Heart for Lebanon does is provide Christian education for their kids. It's a door opener. They provide survival essentials to these families and they reach out with the love of Jesus Christ, but they do a lot more than that. That's just a door opener, as I said, to sharing Jesus Christ with people who have never heard the gospel before. And they are coming to know the Lord like you wouldn't believe. And I don't know about you, but being here in the United States where a lot of times the gospel is hated and if you share the gospel, they look at you funny like you're not woke enough. Boy, is this a balm for my soul to hear about all of these people from a Muslim background believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the first time and getting involved in Bible studies there in the camp and also joining churches. It's it's so encouraging. It's just such good news. Over 1,200 new believers now are studying the Bible every single week there. Can you, it's just amazing to think about these people from Muslim background cultures coming to know the Lord and are so excited. And of course, the need is huge. The need is huge. Heart for Lebanon is doing what they can, but as we know, Lebanon is in serious crisis right now, food shortages, electricity outages. Uh, It's just a disaster of an economy. Lots of uh, spiraling currency problems, black market exchange rates are what they're all relying on. So many, many problems are going on in the nation of Lebanon, but the Lord is at work. So we are trying to help 52 families of four 
receive the survival essentials that they need and also have the opportunity to hear about Jesus for the first time. We are about three quarters of the way toward our goal. So we are really excited about that. If you would like to participate, we would welcome you to do so. A gift of $116 helps bring a child and his or her family survival essentials for the next four months and the hope of the gospel, which is eternal. You can also help by committing to a gift of $29 per month if that's something you can do. Here's the number to call if you're interested. It's 888-247-5499. Let me give you that number one more time. 888-247-5499. Or there is a Heart for Lebanon banner to click at JanetMefford.com. And as always, thank you guys so much for your generosity. It's, you know, you're going to find out in heaven someday what it was God did with your generous donations. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of you who will continue to help us help these new brothers and sisters in Christ over in Lebanon. All right, I want to talk a little bit about this situation with these poor missionaries in Haiti. I'm sure you've heard this story by now. 17 missionaries, including a number of children with Christian Aid Ministries of Ohio, have been kidnapped just a couple of days ago. And I guess there are some ongoing efforts to try to free them. Now, the Christian Post reports that the gang that kidnapped these 17 missionaries while they were on a trip to visit an orphanage in Haiti on Saturday, wants a million dollars each for their safe return. It's, it's crazy. The justice minister there in Haiti said the demand was made to the country chief of the Christian Aid Ministries, $1 million per person. Often these gangs know these demands cannot be met, and they will consider a counteroffer from the families. And the negotiations can take a couple of days sometimes or a couple of weeks. Now listen to this. The kidnapped missionaries include six men, six women, and five children. Sixteen of them are Americans, and there's one Canadian citizen. And according to Christian Aid Ministries, the ages of the adults range from 18 to 48. So 18, you're on the cusp of being a child yourself. The ages of the children are eight months old, three years old, six years old, 13 years old, and 15 years old. This is, by the way, if you don't know much about Christian Aid Ministries, a nonprofit organization wanting to glorify God and help enlarge his kingdom. It's a channel actually for Amish, Mennonite, and other conservative Anabaptist groups and individuals to minister to physical and spiritual needs around the world. The missionaries were working with this organization when they were taken by the 400 Mawazo Gang. This is a gang whose name roughly translates to inexperienced men. The gang is known for brazen killings, for ransom kidnappings, and extorting businessmen. Minister Ron Marks of the Hart Dunkard Brethren Church in Michigan told the Detroit News that several members of his church are among the kidnapped missionaries. He didn't identify them, but said the youngest child is under 10. Can you imagine? Our primary focus, he said, is on God and his providence to bring us through this. Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, said that while she couldn't reveal the identities of the missionaries for safety reasons, the State Department and the FBI are working together to bring those individuals home safely. I have to say, I I pray that there will be a safe release for all of these hostages, and I would urge you to earnestly pray for these people as well. I don't have the same reaction that I used to, though, honestly, when the FBI is involved. I just don't. I know that that sounds like a downer. I'm sure they're they're working, you know, in the right way to try to secure the release of these poor people. But they are part of a coordinated government effort to get U.S. citizens involved to safety. So continue to keep these people in your prayers, as I'm sure they're quite scared and 
uncertain about the future. It's a dangerous thing to be a Christian in a lot of places around the globe. As we know, there are a lot of countries that are very, very dangerous. Haiti is very unstable after the assassination of its president and also an earthquake. And, you know, it's it's I don't know. People are calling it a failed nation, a failed state. So continue to keep these folks in your prayers. Okay, one more thing I want to get to via also via the Christian Post is this new Pew Research Center study. Did you hear about this? That roughly half of church going evangelical Protestants are now attending worship services in person and without any COVID-19 related restrictions. 49% of evangelical Protestant congregants, those who say they typically attend services at least once or twice a month, say that their churches are open without any coronavirus-related restrictions. Okay, that means 51% or not. The resumption of in-person services appears to be highest among evangelicals. Not surprising. 20% of mainline Protestants say their churches are open. What? Well, you know, what's the difference? I mean, you can be woke out on the street. You don't have to go to a PCUSA to achieve that. That's crazy. 80%. I'm not saying that the PCUSA doors should be open because I don't think anybody should go into a PCUSA. Uh, But 20% of mainline Protestants say their churches are open. So that would include not just the PCUSA, obviously, but the United Church of Christ and the ELCA and United Methodist Church. Only 20% are open. I it's maybe not a bad thing. The percentage drops to uh, drops to 14% among congregants in the historically black Protestant tradition and 19% among Catholics. 80% of mainline churches are still closed or I don't I don't know what that means exactly, but that that's how it's reading in person. In-person services are still rare among all of these different categories. The survey report says among religious attenders, evangelical Protestants, white non-Hispanic Americans and Republicans are considerably more inclined than others to say their congregation should be open without pandemic related restrictions. That doesn't surprise me. They should be open without pandemic related restrictions. They should be. If you want to wear a mask and you have no idea that that mask that you are putting on your face is pretty much doing you no good at all. And if you knew anything about what the government has said about those masks, you would already know that. Go ahead and wear the mask. Nobody's stopping you. Get a vaccine, wear a mask, sit 16 feet away from the person in front of you. It's all up to you. It doesn't matter. But at some point, the Church of Jesus Christ needs to keep going. We need to keep ministering. We need to keep being a safe haven for people who are in distress or depressed or having all sorts of problems due to all the stressors that have become a part of daily life because of this pandemic and the supply chain crisis isn't helping. What is it like 66 ships are still out there? I read today outside the port of LA. I thought Joe Biden was putting this on speed dial. They were going to be open 24 seven and everything was going to be solved. I can't help but think that the previous president, eh, this probably wouldn't be happening under him. Probably not. He would fix it. He would find a way to fix it. Reminds me a little bit of the hostage crisis back with Carter. And it was amazing. He just couldn't do anything about it until Ronald Reagan came in. We're going to come back when we do a little bit more on the reason the media is giving for the COVID death of former Secretary of State Colin Powell. Stay with us. Ask yourself, what do you pay for health care? Are you single? Do you pay more than $199 a month? Are you a couple? Do you pay more than $299 a month? Do you have a family? 
do you pay more than $399 a month? Yes, you can serve the entire family with health care for only $399 a month with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals. Sign up at any time of the year. Pick your own doctor and hospital. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now, 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. The UN has called what's happening in Lebanon the worst humanitarian crisis since World War II. COVID-19, political upheaval, a crumbling economy, and two million refugees, children and their families, living in poverty and despair. But in the middle of it all, God is at work. More Muslim-cultured people than ever before are putting their faith and trust in Jesus. And through your generous support, Heart for Lebanon is being used to bring these hurting people from despair to hope. A single gift of 100 helps bring a child and their family survival essentials and the hope of the gospel, which lasts forever. $348 cares for this family for an entire year. We have a goal to take over 50 families off a waiting list that desperately need our help. So we're hoping you'll be as generous as you can when you call 888-247-5499, 888-247-5499, or there's a Heart for Lebanon banner at JanetMefford.com. Thank you. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. As soon as I heard about the death of former Secretary of State Colin Powell, I said, how long will it take? How long will it take? Because he had COVID-19 and he had been vaccinated. How long will it take the media to blame the unvaccinated for the death of Colin Powell? Not long. I don't know how long it was. It was probably instantaneous. But I want to play for you a portion of an interview that was done over on CNN's Cuomo Primetime. I don't know why this guy, Chris Cuomo, still has a job at CNN, but they don't really care, obviously, who they employ or how incredibly corrupt their anchors are for having done news coverage of their own brothers while their own brothers were doing what? former Governor Cuomo was doing in New York. Anyway, former Trump administration Surgeon General Jerome Adams was on with Chris Cuomo talking about Secretary of State Colin Powell dying of COVID-19. Now, of course, Colin Powell had some underlying problems. He was fighting multiple myeloma, a blood cancer, which really affects the immune system. So he, he had other problems and he was 84 years old. And as we know, people who have prior health conditions are more sensitive to COVID-19 and can have a lot more problems. That's why a lot of elderly people like to get the vaccine because they will suffer more statistically if they were to contract it. This was interesting. This was interesting because Chris Cuomo was asking him, I'm going to set this up. He said, what do you say, Jerome Adams, about the idea that Powell passing while being vaccinated is proof that the vaccination is not necessary. Okay, well, first of all, who is saying the vaccination is not necessary? I think people have been saying the vaccination doesn't inoculate you. That's the the argument. At any rate, this was Jerome Adams' answer. Cut one. Well, it's, it's absolutely untrue. And we've got people out there who are in the vaccine resistant crowd. We've got people who have completely 
uh, different agendas, agendas that have nothing to do with vaccines. And as you as you mentioned, want to divide us. We really do. But we've got a lot of people out there who are just prone to, uh, to, to react to misinformation, who just need the correct facts. And so to those people out there, to those of you in the movable middle, I want you to know that there have been 7,000 breakthrough deaths since people have been fully vaccinated starting in about January of this year. That's compared to over 300,000 unvaccinated people who've died in this country. 7,000 to 300,000. These vaccines work. Of those breakthroughs, we know about 6,000 of them reported have been people over the age of 65, as General Powell was. We know a disproportionate number of them have been people with comorbidities, as General Powell had. So he was someone who was primed for a breakthrough infection, and he's someone who did what he was supposed to do. He got vaccinated, but he proves that we can't just say we're only going to protect the vulnerable. We're only going to worry about those people getting vaccinated, and everyone else doesn't matter. We all matter. And the fact is that General Powell died because we didn't take the proper measures to lower spread in this country. We didn't do everything that we could. And there are just some people out there that can do everything right, but they're still going to be uh, in jeopardy if we continue to let this virus run unabated. And that is why herd immunity is so important. That's why we all need to get the facts. And then please, please hear me. For the sake of General Powell and everyone else out there who's vulnerable and who's doing the right thing, please consider getting your vaccine if you haven't yet. Might I point out the main line in that cut was the fact is that General Powell died because we didn't take the proper measures to lower spread in this country. We didn't do everything that we could. So it's a collective problem. We we didn't lower the spread in this country, and therefore we killed General Colin Powell. I reject that utterly. There's a coronavirus going around. Perhaps you should look in the direction of China, because China is where this came from, and we all know it. And at what point will China be paying the price? At what point will Fauci be paying the price? We already know that Francis Collins is resigning, and he should be paying a price, too, for all of the gain-of-function research that our government funded and lied about, at least Fauci did, to Congress, as Senator Rand Paul has repeatedly pointed out it's our fault so let me let me see if i get this straight general colin powell has all kinds of comorbidities he gets the vaccine i've read that it's the moderna vaccine he gets the moderna vaccine he didn't get the booster shot because of some health complications and he died but he was also talking about the fact that don't worry about me i'm 84 you know these sorts of things he was 84 years old he was 84 years old and he died apparently I don't know, is it from COVID, with COVID? Who knows? But how is it the unvaccinated people's fault? In order to make that statement, you would need to know who the carrier of COVID-19 was, who transmitted it to Colin Powell. And you have no idea who transmitted COVID-19 to Colin Powell. Nobody does. Why would you rush to blame the unvaccinated? You could just as well blame someone who is vaccinated for transmitting it to him because we know darn well that you have people, 7,000 breakthrough deaths of people who are vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Uh, and these people obviously could have transmitted COVID-19 to somebody else. People who currently have COVID-19 who are fully vaccinated could have transferred it, transmitted it, I should say, to Colin Powell. How do you know? It's the same thing that I remember happening. I wrote a blog post about it at the time. Back during the 
beginning of the pandemic, remember when the media started talking about churches and how churches were super spreader uh, uh, places and, and they had no proof of any of this. And they would take one particular case or one particular death and try to link it to the church, even though there was no evidence that was you know, available to show that it was the church's fault or they had some kind of break out or they had some kind of super spreader. They did this repeatedly and they just lied because they liked the narrative of churches are hotbeds of COVID-19. It was not true. And I think in some cases, at least, the reason that they were perpetuating that narrative was because they didn't want the churches open. It irritated them. They don't like Christianity. Lots of people in the media don't like Christianity and they didn't want churches open and they don't like religious freedom and they don't like God and they don't like Jesus Christ. All right. It's a free country. Nobody's going to put a gun to your head and say that you have to be a Christian. Nobody's going to force you to believe in God or believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You might want to investigate that a little bit because life is short and we know there's a heaven and a hell. And if you die in your sins, it will not go well for you. You will be in hell if you die in your sins without Christ's forgiveness. But be that as it may, you just you got to look at these people and say, what are you doing? We don't know who gave Colin Powell COVID-19. And it is a tragedy. But he was 84 and he had other things wrong with him. So it wasn't a case of a five-year-old dying of COVID-19. It's not quite the same thing. But now comes the best. Bloomberg.com, of course, has a headline that says, Colin Powell's death argues for vaccines, not against them. <laughs> How? How does you too can get a vaccine and end up like Colin Powell? I'm not really sure. Here's what they say. Vaccine opponents are seizing on the death of Colin Powell, fully vaccinated yet died of COVID-19 complications to cast doubt on the vaccination effort against the virus. Well, first of all, no, they're casting doubt on the fact that this vaccine really isn't a vaccine because if it were a vaccine, you wouldn't catch the disease. Right. They're calling it a vaccine, but it's mRNA technology with Pfizer and Moderna. It's not a traditional vaccine. I've never gotten the measles. I've never gotten rubella. I've never gotten polio. I had vaccines for those and they worked. I didn't get any of those diseases. I've not had smallpox. I've not had tetanus. Uh, But people who are fully vaccinated for COVID-19 are getting it. So it's the unvaccinated's fault. All right. So they're saying it's a potent argument now, Colin Powell's death, to vaccinate as as broadly as possible. How? How is that? How is that an argument for broad vaccination? I don't see that. You you can make some kind of statement related to the wisdom of vaccinating the elderly, and that's fine. But I don't think it's an argument for vaccines, period. This is kind of an embarrassment, I would think, for people to say, you know, well, he was fully vaccinated. Oh, and he still died. I don't know. These people are so so predictable. I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about some of these people. Oh, and this is how they say it at the end uh, from the New York Times. So they say Powell's aging condition gave him the exceptional high risks that make generalizing about vaccine efficacy the least accurate. In his case and that of many others, individual protection isn't enough. He needed as many people around him as possible to take extra precautions and be vaccinated to diminish his chances of encountering the virus. Well, you don't know. You don't know, nor did you report how many people had personal contact with Colin Powell who were unvaccinated. So until you know the number of those people and until you know whether or not he was uh, somebody who received the transmission of the virus via uh, an unvaccinated person, then you shouldn't be making such claims. 
I'm tired of narratives. I'm tired of we're going to make some kind of political point here against the unvaccinated. Enough with that. This is America. Get vaccinated. If the vaccine works, then you have nothing to fear from the unvaccinated. But you guys know that people who are vaccinated can still get it. Why don't we just be honest about that and not play political games? Thanks for being with us here on Janet Meffer today. Always a delight to have you along, and we hope you'll join us for our next broadcast. God bless. Thank you.